don't think I'm trying to push something, okay? But I need to tell you, I need to begin by telling you that it's really fun to go fishing with Dave Stanell. And just because he's Nathan's dad, we've heard about that already, that, you know, Nathan is a Stanell. I don't want you to think I'm somehow pushing the Stanell family. You're not going to all leave here and go, oh, this was Stanell morning, wasn't it? Stanell Sunday morning, okay? I'm actually holding back information that I could readily share that you're going to have to talk to Deb about that, so you don't think that's all we talked about this morning. But it is fun to go fishing with Dave Stanell. On the days he's not trying to kill you. (laughs) Because he's tried on a couple of occasions to kill me while we were out fishing. I fished with him on no less than five different lakes now. Trout Lake, Wabana Lake, some other lake that he took us to that took me to. He and Nathan took me to this other lake. I didn't know if they were going to just leave my body in the woods somewhere. I had no idea where we were. But this lake that 20 years ago, the fish were jumping into the boat. And we needed more fish for the Saturday night fish fry. And we didn't catch one fish there. So it's like, "Uh uh-huh, sure, Dave. Okay, but that's not where he tried to kill me. He tried to kill me on Lake of the Woods one time. And last year, last October, just a little better than a year ago, he tried to kill me on Lake of the Bronson. And uh, that was because we were going to... The the setup was we're going to go crappie fishing. He knows where there's a good crappie hole. So I checked in the weather that day. And, you know, in fact, I enjoy fishing so much with Dave Snell that I actually bought a small fishing boat just because he got me so excited about getting to go fishing. And so... But it's a small boat. And and so we're going to go on this Sunday. And I took a look at the weather and it's like, dude, we're going to get hit with some serious wind later. And it's like, I call him up, Dave, are you sure we want to go? We're going to get wind later. Dave is like, Oh, yeah, a little wind. Give us a good chop. Got to have a good crappie chop. That's fine. We'll go. Dave, are you reading this? Ah, it's good. We'll be all right. We'll be all right. So we're out there, and um, we find he knows exactly where the crappie hole is. He knows exactly what needs to be happening. And so we put the marker out. He takes, we take this marker. You unwind it. You drop it right where the crappie hole is. And then what do you do? You take and you start here, and that nice crappie chop, and you drift past the marker. And then... You come back again, restart the motor, and you come back. And you restart the motor, and you come back, and you just drift by where that marker is time after time. And Dave will tell you it's absolutely true that every time we drift by, he catches a fish or two, and he shows me exactly what I was using, and I'm saying, well, good, you're having good luck with that. I'll try something else. And I try something else, and I don't catch anything. And then we try it again, and, we, and he gets fish, and I do not. So we're doing this for a while. We're having a great time because we have this nice crappie chop uh, due to the wind, and then it hits. And the paper, or the, the report I said looked, was reporting 60 mile an hour winds, and friends, they hit. They, and they came now. I mean, right now. And after just a matter of half a minute of this, and now we have white caps that are this deep in this little 14 foot open boat, okay? Uh, I said something I've never said before. I said, Dave, hand me my life jacket. We're going in. It's the only time I've ever put on a life jacket because I thought, we may actually need this. I can just picture the headlines in you know, the paper the next day. Two foolish fishermen <laughs> washed ashore in Lake Bronson, you know. Okay, they were, bodies were pushed right up against the dam because they were too stupid to stay out of a 60-mile-an-hour wind. So we got in. Uh, we were safe. And it was good. And I haven't let him try and take my life since then. Two days later, I went back out 
because, oh, what had happened, you see, I said, we're going in, and we got, we got about from here to the back, of the back of the worship center, and Dave says, hey, we forgot the marker. Now, the price tag on the marker is like $9.95 from Walmart. There's no way I'm going back for a $10 marker, Dave. Sorry, because I know in order to go back, I've got to turn the boat once, which pushes us broadside to the waves, and then regain my position. I've got to do it again. There's no way I'm going broadside to these waves twice, Dave. The marker stays. Two days later, I went back out, got the marker. Dave didn't, Dave didn't sleep for two nights. <laughs> Somebody else knows where our marker is. <laughs> They're going to go take all the fish. So I went out, I got the marker, and I pulled it in, sent him a picture, said, Dave, it's all good. You can sleep now, all right? Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest... We drift away. Friends, this is all I want to say this morning. We'll develop it a little bit, but it's this. In light of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, here's what it comes down to. We are either going to give heed or give way. Those are the options that are before us. We're going to either give heed or we're going to give way. So we might ask the question as Hebrews chapter 2 opens up, why must... We give heed. And that's the word in the original language. It's a little three-letter word that we translate as must. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed. That word emphasizes a logical or a moral imperative. This has got to happen. We have to do this. We must give the more earnest heed. Heed. Why do we have to? Because of the therefore. And you've heard the cute little saying when you see a therefore in your Bible, you ask, what's it there for? And this fits very well into that, answering that question. Because the therefore points back to everything we've been looking at in chapter 1. You'll recall we spent a fair amount of time in chapter 1. And chapter 1 basically makes two assertions. First, the God who had been revealing himself in times past in various ways and through various prophets and various means, this God has now spoken through his Son, Jesus Christ. That there is this ultimate one who speaks and who reveals God's word, God's will. God's presence to us. So he is the ultimate revealer as the one who is incarnate of who God is and what he is seeking to say to us. And then he goes on to describe what sets him apart is that he is even greater than the angels. And we spent quite a bit of time, we we call that little subheading side-by-side. And he does this side-by-side comparison between Christ and the angels. Now, the angels are a more dramatic or, or, or a more incredible element of created beings than we are. And Christ was above them. And he developed all of that. And that's why he begins chapter 2, verse 1 with, Therefore... In light of this revelation in Jesus Christ, 
the ultimate one who came and revealed to us who God is and what he's doing. Therefore, we must give heed to him, to the things which we have heard. Now, give heed. It's a, I think it's a fascinating word in light of, of what we're saying here. It's, it's one of those, um, and these just intrigue me within, within the original language. It's one of those compound words, and I've mentioned many to you. And the word literally, if you just break it down into two parts, means to hold forth. Hold forth. I picture it in this way. Therefore, we must hold forth or put it right in front of ourselves. That's how you get give heed to it. Pay attention to it. It's right here. You've got to hold it right here in front of you. You have to keep it front and center to all of what you are and what you think and how you live out your life as a believer. That's what we are to do. We are to give heed all the more because of who Christ is to the things which we have heard, those things which he has revealed. Now, friends, there's in, in the two parts to this verse, this is the active part. I don't like to go too far into giving, you, into giving uh, language lessons, but within the original language, there are, there's three forms of voice. One is active, one is middle, one is passive. And the active voice is that voice in which the subject is doing this. So we are to hold forth. And the reason I make, point that out at this time is because we're going to see something passive that takes place in the other side of this. So this is the active part. It requires a choice. On our part, it requires a decision on our part. Remember when Dave was trying to kill me out on Lake of the Bronson? You see, we put the marker out, and the marker said, That's where we want to fish, that's where the crappies are. And what did we need to do? We would position ourselves so that nice crappie chop wind would take us past the marker. And at some point, Dave would say, okay, we need to go back again. And we repositioned ourselves. Why? So that we're constantly holding forth, keeping that crappie hole right in front of us. But we had to keep redoing that. We had to make it our constant effort. And Dave was always paying attention to where are we relative to that marker. And the writer to the Hebrews is saying, we must always hold forth. Pay heed. Give the more earnest heed to. It is a choice. It is a decision. It is something that we say, I'm going to keep Jesus Christ front and center in my life. I thought it was intriguing with what Nathan said. He described Lucius and Luigi. And I think Luigi was the one who had been the Christian, right? Okay, so Luigi had been a Christian, but somehow that had faded a little bit from him. And what the ministry that they had with him was, Luigi came to a point, he said, I'm ready to put Christ back at, the, at that focal point. I'm ready to hold him forth again, so that now he affects how I live and the decisions that I make and who I am and where I'm going with my life. It requires a choice on our part. It is a decision. It is the active part of this little uh, caution that we are given here, if you will. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. We must make listening to Christ significant to us, important to us. We stay focused on Him. Or, as it says here, lest we drift away. 
See, we're either going to give heed or we're going to give way. If we do not keep Christ in the forefront of our thinking by a conscious decision to say, He is the one to whom I look, eventually we just drift past and away. The word literally means, again, two-part word, to drift alongside. To drift alongside. So what's going to happen? This is the caution that we're being given. We're being given this caution that if we do not make it a concerted effort to hold Christ front and central to our lives, the currents are just going to move us away. And pretty soon there's something else in front of us. Something else will have our attention. And off we go. And this is the passive side of things. Remember I said holding forth is active? This is what happens when we're passive. We will drift away. And passive is just as you might think it is. Passive is when the action happens to the subject. Not the subject doing the action. It's the action happening to the subject. And we will just be drifting away. The current will simply carry us along out of the presence of Jesus Christ. Now this happens, this happens a lot, friends. Where somebody is excited about knowing Christ and they're excited about this new life and it looks like they're going to stay really focused on him, but somewhere along the line, the drift and the currents of life just move us. I am willing to guess that there's many people around us who have been stunted in their spiritual growth because they look at it now as a phase that they went through. Oh yeah, I attended church for three years, for five years. I I was going for a time. I did the church thing and then I moved on to other things. And then I moved on. Kind of just, that was then. That was good for that where I was at at that point in my life. But it, it was time to move on. And they just drifted away from the things of the Lord. And the perspective is, that's okay. Then that's just fine. We'll just just drift. We'll go on to something else. It's almost like, like phases we go through in life. You guys go through phases in your life? I know some. I can identify them for you. And these don't matter. There's a point here. These don't matter. When I first got to ministering it, it, uh, vocationally, we were up, you know, we were up in Lake Bronson and Lancaster, and I remember uh, we were, uh, it, it ultimately was a gift, and I wound up with some flannel shirts. You know what they look like? The plaid. Okay, David, you want to get up and model for us? No, he doesn't want to do that. Okay, we won't put David on that spot, all right? Okay, Bob, you could stand up. No, I'm only kidding. You too, Bob. All right, we're not going to ask... And I was like loving these. I never had flannel shirts when I was growing up. I just didn't wear them. You know, they weren't a part of the suburban culture. I loved them. And I remember saying to myself, I'm always going to wear flannel shirts. These are really cool. I mean, we're just country manly guys, right? You check my closet now. There's not a flannel shirt in there. Couldn't tell you the last time I had a flannel shirt. Okay, but I can tell you that a number of years back, because I don't like wearing a tie in the pulpit. I mean, you guys will remember, man, a number of years back. And it happened when we were celebrating our 100th 
is uh, started wearing golf shirts during the summer. Ooh, ooh, ooh. love a polo shirt, man. That's the, my best, most favorite shirt to have on. Just love having a golf shirt on. And, and uh, the, the, the cotton ones and the way that... And, and now, I don't buy those anymore. At least I've changed the fabric on them. But what I prefer to wear now more than anything is a Hawaiian shirt. I love a flowered shirt. Okay? <laughs> And I love when David Lockstead wears his Hawaiian shirt. It's like, thank you, David. You and I may be the only ones wearing flowered shirts here from time to time. But that is what I enjoy wearing the most. I see none of those things matter, friends. But sometimes that's how we treat our faith. That's how we treat what happened with us in Jesus Christ. Well, that was interesting for that time, but that was then. Now I'm into this. And sometime later I may be into something else. And we just drift away. And the writer to the Hebrew says, hey, hang on a second. Hang on a second. We're talking about the one who is revealing to us, who is above the angels, who came and spoke more than the prophets ever did. And he was more incredible than any of them and revealed to us and lived out truth for us. More incredible than anything else. You don't just let this go like it's a phase. You hold on to it and you keep it front and center. And it's a lifelong relationship. So these, I'd like to just throw out the possibility that uh, these are some of the, just a few of the current currents. That's what we call this, this current currents. What are the things that they can just kind of get us? And for those of you who've been listening to people teach from Scripture for years and you've been consistent, there's nothing new here. I understand that. But maybe we have some young people wrestling with a question of a decision that... Uh, I'd like to hear some of this, or people just knew in the faith. Second Timothy chapter 4, this won't come up on the screen, but there's, the, there's just the current of, of uh, you call it what you will. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, this is Paul writing to Timothy, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. He's saying... Keep Christ in front of the people. Stay centered on him. He alone is the voice or or the proclamation that you need to give voice to. There is nothing else. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables. They will just drift right away. There's a natural tendency in all of us. That's the current, current, in all of us to just go, you know, I've kind of been there. I've kind of heard all that before. It's not really tickling my ears with anything new. So, what else is out there? And we begin to listen to other things and start to embrace other things. We are all susceptible to that. I think of this passage also in 2 Timothy. So we will not endure sound doctrine. I think of it often when I think about our country. Not only will we not endure sound doctrine of the Scriptures, but as a country we will not endure sound doctrine of the Constitution. And we are just fading away from it. And nobody's seen... Well, I shouldn't say nobody... (laughs) But we just keep drifting on past and going, goodbye, Constitution. Goodbye, Word of God. We're on to something else. How about hobbies and sports and, and those personal interests that are ours? Hobbies are good. They refresh us. They give us something to think about. They're good. Sports are fine. It's good. Until we've drifted past 
keeping Christ front and center and the hobbies and the sports become all that we live for. So I go, wait a second now. We need to get kind of fire up that motor, <laughs> pull ourselves back to where, oh, here's the marker. Oh, yeah, it's Christ that I live for. These things have a far secondary place in my life. Or what about popular culture? Young people. How many of you young people are asking for Christmas? You want to have an IZOD shirt for Christmas. How many young people? You're asking for IZOD. Okay, any of you? Way to go. All right. Except you're not quite young anymore, Tyler. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it, though. You understand the value of IZOD. I mean, you make me feel good, man. Have you got it on? Tyler's wearing IZOD. Give it up for Tyler, all right? Yeah, yeah, he's good. He's got the IZOD on. Okay, how about guest jeans? How many is looking? It's got to be guest jeans. All right, yeah, you know what, right? The, the, the older people are laughing because we remember, right? You don't even know it, do you? But you have to understand. You have to understand, young people, the day was, and that's what everybody wanted. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. There are these popular trends that come through. In fact, I'm beginning to wonder, any of you still even wear Aeropostale? I'm just curious. Well, do you wear it? Anybody looking for it? Anybody asking for it for Christmas? Is it like a big deal to you? No, it's just some worn out piece of something. You see? You don't have it. Why? Because it's all changed. See, somehow we bought into this idea, young people. Somehow we bought into this idea that says somebody somewhere is determining what's cool and I got to be a part of it. And so then we try and hold our parents accountable to get us these things, which are marked ridiculously out of the price range. Parents, if you're being, I don't know what it is that's out there now, but if you're, being, if you're struggling, your kids are constantly pushing and arguing and complaining about this, Lori had a great answer to this. She said, hey, I will pay you what I would pay normally. Let's say it's jeans. So let's say the jeans are 20 bucks. She said, I will pay you, the, I will put in the price of the $20 jeans that I would buy for you, and you can put in the rest. And do you know what? None of my kids ever wore guest jeans because somehow the deal didn't seem as good. But somebody is telling us these are the important things. Young people, true story. Okay? (laughs) True story. When Adam was, you know, in the eighth, ninth grade, I remember asking, it was Christmas time, I remember asking your generation, Adam, what is it you guys are asking for for Christmas? What matters? And every kid wanted a boombox with a CD player. Oh, that was it, right? I mean, this was really going to make your life happy because that was the trend. Young people, young people, will you hear me? Young people. There are all sorts of trends that are in your path that are there to get you to take your eyes off of Jesus Christ and to not hold him forth and to decide that in order to be cool, in order to be part of the right group, in order to, in order to have status among my peers, and I guarantee you, young people, your children will laugh at what it is you think is so important now if you make that the reason that you have got to have it, and it is, it is foremost in my life. And we can drift into that and not even know that we've decided to have something else before us other than Jesus Christ and who he is. And there are many, many other ways in which we can just do our drifting, and we're going to have to pass all of that.
What I'd like to just finish up with, guys, is this. The word of Christ, which we are to give greater heed to, it's like a marker. It's like that marker that David threw out, right? Two days later, I went out for it. I didn't know if I could find it. Guess where it was? Same place we left it. It was stable, and it made it through the storm, and it was right where we had left it. Do we understand that there's only one thing that is that stable? It's like the marker. It doesn't change. It doesn't drift with the tides. It doesn't go because somebody else said, this is now cool, that's now old-fashioned, this is now cool. It doesn't change with any of that. It is something we can build our lives upon. And that is the person, the work, and the words of Jesus Christ. And we must keep reorienting to that because the currents will always cause us to drift away. The currents will always cause us to drift away. Friends, yes, that means it's going to take some effort. This last summer, Nathan and David and I went back out on Lake of the Bronson. Okay? We're going to have a grand time because David knows exactly where the crappies are. The only time ever, by the way, they're using that same motor to duck hunt. The only time ever that motor didn't start. We got out there, we made our one pass, and the motor would not start. It totally foiled us. It would not start. So what we had to do, go is to plan B. We had to go to plan B, and now we we're just uh, hooking up the trolling motor, which was not as effective. It was not as easy. It was not as convenient. And... We tried to get that to get us back in a position so we could drift, so we could do our drifting exactly the way we wanted to. But without the trolling motor, we just keep going without something to bring us back. But my point is, there will be problems. We're in a spiritual battle. It's not always going to go easy. It's not always going to be convenient. But it is worth the effort to keep orienting to Jesus Christ so that he alone is front and center in our thinking. And he alone is the one whom we serve. Because we're either going to give heed, we're either going to keep him in front, or we're going to give way, we're just going to, currents are just going to take us on. I'm going to finish with one last thing. This is, we're, we're, we're wrapping it up. Okay. Some years ago, after Nathan had gone off to college, he was back on a Sunday morning, so I asked him to come in and speak to our young people a little bit during Sunday school. And uh, so I, the question I put to Nathan, I didn't know what he was going to answer. I said, Nathan, what is it that keeps you, what is it that keeps you walking with Jesus Christ now that you've gone off to college? You're still seeking him. Because I know a lot of young people, they get to that point in their life, it's like, been there, done that, we'll drift, thank you, let's find out what's new out here. And he said to us and to the other young people in the class that day, it's my personal time in the Word. I take time in the Word. That's what's keeping me focused. Friends, I cannot tell you. We're all susceptible to drifting away. But the first and foremost thing we do in order to come back is we take personal time in the Word. We have got to make a choice to be in the Word. We've got to make a choice to see to it that we stay with giving heed, as Hebrew says.
Now, there's different ways that that can happen. Okay, we can just do our own. Some of us are comfortable doing our own personal study. There are Bible studies that we can purchase that will walk us through the Word. I was doing that in college, following a particular study that worked. Uh, certainly, we can also enhance this by watching what we're, or listening on the radio to stuff that is valuable. Q107 has some great stuff out there, and that's the one I tend to listen to most, but others of you probably are, would find there's other Christian radio stations around, but there's good teaching that could be found in there. Those are supplementary, also supplementary. There are Christian videos. That we have so much stuff available to us. And then, um, I didn't make it in the pulpit with me, devotionals. We have our daily bread, devotionals, devotional guides, other things that will take us on a daily basis to just get us to focus, put Christ back here. You know, fire up that little motor and get back by that marker. That's what we're doing. So we don't just float away. It's going to take some effort. There will be problems. But it will be worth. It will be worth it in the end. Because do you you have anything else in your life? Do you have anything else in your life that is so stable, so secure, that once the storm has passed, it still stands? I don't. I don't. This is all I know that will withstand all the storms we face. Father, thank you. And Lord, encourage us, strengthen us. Give us the will and the wisdom to make that decision, to make the choice to be active in keeping Christ front and center, that we would take heed to his word because there's nowhere else that can feed our soul and can anchor our lives than to be with Christ front and center. He's the marker we always orient to, Lord. May we make significant decisions this morning, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.